You're listening to a podcast from BJSM. Welcome to this BJSM podcast, which is actually a partnership with PhysioEdge, and you'll hear about PhysioEdge and the great PhysioEdge podcasts in a minute. I'm with David Pope, and David's a physio in Australia, a young guy with a stack of energy, as well as running his own clinic. He's been doing a lot of physio education and um, digital recording podcasts and things that you'll hear about. So, David, thanks for joining this podcast, and congratulations on what you're doing. Thanks, Garen. It's great. It's great to be on the podcast, and I love listening to your to your podcast. So uh, it's nice to be joining you. Okay, so you're in the guest role this time. So tell us, um, tell the listeners about um, how long you've been in physio, and then I know you're in North Sydney, a beautiful place, and how you decided to get into the media of physio. Yeah, yeah, I'm a physio. Like I've I graduated from the University of Sydney back in 2000, so it's been a while now. So about yeah, 12 or 13 years. So um, yeah, I've um, you know, set up my practice a few years ago, and oh, I mean, I was a pretty keen podcast listener on all sorts of stuff, from you know, mountain biking to comedy podcasts to you know, um, business stuff to martial arts, you know, anything like that. I, I was basically a podcast junkie, and so yeah, I sort of started looking around for for podcasts on physio, and, and uh, couldn't really find any at that time. I don't think I don't know if you you guys had a podcast at that time, but I couldn't find one. Um, at all so I thought oh well there's a bit of a bit of a space here and I think it's definitely something I'd like to listen to and so generally if there's something that um, I'm interested in hearing about or listening then you know hopefully someone else is interested in listening to it myself so I thought I'll uh, maybe I can tee up some some different people within the physio and sports medicine and you know uh, medicine games to to sort of come on the podcast and have a bit of a chat about a fair few things that uh, you know, clinical questions that I have. So that's how it started. I sort of had absolutely no idea how to actually get it going, and it really sort of took me about a year to to even figure out how to put a podcast together and how to record it and what to actually do with it. Then, so it took me a year of uh, of playing and until I, you know, finally actually put out my first podcast. So so that was a couple of years ago, and it's just been been really fun since then. Tell us about the first podcast. Who was your guest for the first podcast, David? I have I actually got Dave Butler lined up, and uh, I was pretty excited. He's he's such a a really nice guy, Dave Butler. And before I even knew, you know, how to put out the podcast, I sort of you know rang rang up NOI in Adelaide, and you know spoke to Dave, and I'd, I'd sort of run a couple of David's courses and Dave Lorimer's courses before, so so I did know him, but um, he had so much great information to share. He's uh, just a likable chap he's entertaining to listen to and uh he's got the sort of information that i think all physios and you know doctors and stuff you know it's it's great information about pain the way the way he explains it and the way you, you get to understand it after he's explained it um i thought i really got to get dave butler on the on the podcast there's just so many great clinicians out there and so many great um you know researchers and that that sort of thing that Sometimes, as a, I mean, as a physio, you don't always get the chance to, uh, you know, read all the research studies or be able to attend all the courses or whatever. But you can really get some some great detail from from a lot of sort of experienced clinicians. And I know you've had a lot of success with the podcasts. Um, you were saying some of them have um, crossed the many thousands of uh, listens. You know, when I first started, I thought maybe you know I'd be happy if fifty people downloaded an episode. I thought, wow. But you know, I think Jill Cook's up. You know that's been probably our most popular podcast actually, and that's up up around eleven thousand you know downloads now of of her podcast, and uh, it's just been it's been nice really. 
and we'll put the link for PhysioEdge, of course, um, with this podcast. People can get to PhysioEdge. What will they find on that page when they go there? PhysioEdge.com.au is where I you know, host the podcast. So uh, you can find links there. All the podcasts are obviously free to listen to. So uh, you can basically explore the site where you can have a search for any of the podcasts that we've done. I think we've got around 18 or 19 there now, but uh, most of them are fairly detailed. So there's some great stuff with um, people like I've had, like I mentioned, Dave Butler, but you know, Alison Grimaldi had a couple of really great podcasts talking about um, hamstring tendinopathy um, and glute med tendinopathy. She was, she was really great to get on the show. Um, we had Peter O'Sullivan. He's got some really great feedback, you know, having a chat about chronic low back pain. And we've had uh, Linda Joy Lee and Diane Lee on the podcast talking about uh, the integrated systems model that they work with. So one of your mates, Peter Bruckner, we had, had him on the podcast having a chat about some injury reduction and the great stuff that he's been doing. So, you know, I tend to write a few blog posts uh, you know, sporadically when I get time. Uh, but you can find some of those there as well, which is sort of more my clinical thoughts and, and reasoning. So that's probably the easiest way to find the podcast. Or you can go to iTunes as well. It's You just search for Physio Edge in iTunes. And, you know, I'm always looking for suggestions as well from people if they come across, they've done a great course or they've, you know, come in contact or work with someone that's got got some really good clinical experience that they think it'd be good to get on the show, you know, send us, a, send us an email or you know, message me on Twitter or whatever and it'd be great to get get some some ideas from people that are listening out there too for sure and before we get onto the educational topics that are hot at the moment just a quick one on uh, twitter while we're on the social media how did you get into twitter and how are you finding that what's the utility for you and what do you think for physios who are listening about maybe getting into twitter i like twitter because it's such a, a quick easy way to basically screen through a whole bunch of information so you can follow different people um, such as yourself and uh, Jill Cook and uh, Peter Bruckner and, and um, I also follow John Orchard, you know, a whole bunch of people that you can quickly get an idea of all sorts of different stuff that they might be writing about at the time and, and go, all right, a lot of them put links in so you might get a, a link to an article and you go, oh, that one really takes my fancy. It's an article on hamstring tendinopathy or something on patellofemoral pain and so you can quickly just you know, screen through and go, yeah, that doesn't really grab me and it's only taking you two seconds to go through it. It gives you a quick summary of everything that's happening and you can dive into it as much or as little as you like. So I tend to use it a bit at courses that I'm at as well. You know, you can uh, tweet about stuff that you're, that you're learning and just share little snippets of information that you can maybe sometimes it refreshes, you know, it just helps to embed it in my memory a little bit better and um, hopefully other people find it a bit interesting as well. So I think it's, you know, even for clinicians out there too, you know, if you're using it for little clinical tips. Let's talk about the sort of hot topics at the moment. What are physios trying to figure out and how have things changed over the last five years or so in, in physio? I mean, it's actually like a really exciting time in physio, I think, at the moment. I think there's been a big evolution from, you know, the time where we're, it was big on interferential and ultrasound and, you know, moving L5 or whatever to incorporating it into a lot more of sort of a, a functional approach. And, and I think there's still a, a place for all that and, and definitely for manual therapy. But I think there's, um, we're not just sort of looking at, you know, a TheraBand exercise for you know, your shoulder external rotator strength and 
but you're also tying it into what people are doing with their shoulders. You know, how are they using their shoulders when they perform a tennis serve or, you know, how often are they performing their tennis serves or, you know what I mean, that, that sort of whole, whole body approach. Um, and so I think physios become a lot more, whether it be with a you know, functional movement screening sort of style with, you know, the Grey Cook sort of style or integrated systems model or um, I know Jeremy Lewis has got, you know, some, some good stuff there too. Or there's sort of lots of different approaches. And I think just being able to tie in, you know, all the, you know, that sort of functional approach makes it exciting. You're not just there giving out, a, you know, a bunch of exercises. You can you know, figure out how to tailor it for someone. You know, even down to, you know, the, say the hip, you know, if you're looking at assessing someone's hip rotator strength, um, you know, comparing it and, or their, maybe their abduction, adduction, strength, that sort of stuff. Yeah, assessing that, but then tying it into what they're doing with their functional patterns. So you're incorporating the assessment into, you know, how they're doing a, a one leg squat or how they're, you know, bounding off that leg or whatever it might be, just you know, being able to take it take it down to that functional level. And that's sort of a, a big one. And I think um, you've had uh, Jill Cook and on the podcast and I have, and she's, you know, closely associated with BJSM. But, um, and I think, you know, with Purdom and uh, Craig Purdom and Jill Cook with their sort of, you know, their loading and their staging of tendinopathy, uh, there's a lot of people that I think that just having those different stages, being able to, you know, consider, righto, where's this, where's this tendon at right now? Okay, it's really flared up. You've just come in with, a, you know, maybe a, a reactor on top of an old grumbly tendinopathy, you know, those sort of things that pe- can, people can help to understand what's um, what's going on with those different stages and being able to in- incorporate that loading approach. I think that's really a great step forward for, for physio and sports medicine too. So I think prevention as well. I think uh, it's probably not so much of a hot topic yet, but I think it really will be over the next you know, the next little while. I think it's there's a lot of scope for physios to move into into prevention um i think we've got you know a lot of sort of new grads coming out of uni i know in in the uk there's lots of lots of schools of physio coming out which at the moment there's still plenty of jobs um but i think there's going to be you know that time where we're going to be looking right we need to expand what the physio profession is going to do if we're going to you know keep pushing physio forward and getting jobs for all these new grads and um and so i think there's you know at the moment a a bit of a hole i think we've got people coming in when they they've got pain they're coming in for physio um, and i think people are you know, treating them whatever it might be and then they then they go off and they work with their you know strength and conditioning coach or whatever it might be but um and i think in a team situation there's elite teams there's obviously a lot of um preventative stuff going on but like i really think you know Physio's got is in the perfect position to be able to be involved in in the preventative side of it as well. You know, getting, um, you know, doing assessing what are some potential areas that people could um, have problems. Um, you know, not just getting rid of them when they got pain, but going right. And now we need to prevent you. Or well, I mean, we can't prevent all injuries, but we can reduce how many injuries. As as Peter Brookner, you know, made sure we understood. So, yeah, reducing the number of injuries that people have had. And I think is a big space for physio to really be involved in that. And I think an example of a functional rehab might be the change in ACL rehab. If you think back to the days when it was kind of time-based and I know it's very different now. Do you want to talk about that as an example? 
we're starting to think about you know what's what's happening with people returning to sport like what sort of movements are they doing when they're going back to sport and tying the specific movements and the specific sort of patterns you know in, into their rehab and I mean, obviously, you've got your, your guidelines that you can work, you know, around it, or in between your guidelines. But I think you've got a lot more scope now to, to be able to go right. Oh, we need to work on your your lateral agility, or um, you know, your bounding off that leg, or or whether it be your landing. So looking at right. Oh, when you're landing, you know, are you landing softly, or um, are you landing with your your knee coming into valgus, and and so going right. Oh, that's what's happening when you when you're landing. You've got some valgus movement of your knee so is it because you've got some hip rotator weakness or is it because you've got maybe poor control around your foot you know being able to you know check the whole kinetic chain and go right where are they where are they fouling like should we just chuck them in a pair of orthotics um you know and we're, or is that just going to be making things worse because they're you know, not getting that strength and loading around the foot to keep it strong or you know maybe it's making their the rest of their balance you know go off so i think you've got a got a lot more space and you know ideas in the physio profession now about how to you know assess and tie in lots of the control around lots of different areas to make it make it more fun and to get better results too i reckon for sure and just um do you want to finish up with any comments on uh, barefoot running and things? I know that's a hot topic, and you've had uh, you, you've thought about these things a lot yourself. And as a physio and as someone talking to experts, um, what would you summarise the state of play there at the moment as? Yeah, I think there's still a lot of debate going on around the area. I, I'm a big, you know, tying with sort of Craig Purdom and and Jill Cook's work. You know, um, the the loading on on you know muscles and um, on the feet and yeah, you know, supportive shoes can be really great in you know times where you've got injury and you need to offload them. So you've got an acute situation where we need to you know a reactive tendinopathy. You know you've got something we need to change the loading on it, decrease the loading you know temporarily. And I think that that um, you know supportive shoes and orthotics and all you know taping and all that sort of stuff can be great for that sort of thing. Yeah, you know, from working with runners in the clinic, um, I I think. From from what I I can see, I don't think minimalist shoes are for everybody. Um, I think or barefoot running in particular, you know, is for everybody. But I think there's a lot to be said for being able to load your feet, uh, load your calves and your legs, you know, in a way that um, they have to actually, you know, do the job they were they were meant to do, which was to absorb shock um, and to load them in a way they're going to get stronger. So I try and slowly wean my patients down from you know maximalist shoes down to you know, a more minimalist shoe so that, um, particularly after they've had injuries and you know, whatever you know on that rehab you know as they're coming through the rehab phase i like to gradually and you know, i mean gradually wean them down to a much more minimalist shoe so that they have got better strength in their foot and you know their ankle and their calf and their their hip and whatever but i tend to also uh, test them so I mean you don't want to just chuck someone in and go right oh how are you going now in this shoe and send them off for a few runs and go you know how are you going because that could be trouble so you could have a big blow up and all of a sudden they don't want to come back to you because you've just given them some dodgy advice say someone's in a, a maximalist shoe they're in a Brooks Beast or you know, whatever it might be you can test their you can test them functionally so you could you'd look at them with a with their one leg stance or their like a one leg squat or something which isn't exactly running but it gives you a 
it's a bit of a broken down uh, you know component of the running process yeah for a lot of people you've got that that medial posting and whatever that just they their when you look at their whole kinetic alignment it might cause them to rotate their their shoulders or their body around you know one way or the other or it might cause their hip you know to laterally tilt or whatever by having that maximalist shoe on so when you look at the whole kinetic chain and go right you know you get them looking in the mirror or get them on your iphone and go this is what this is what you look like in this shoe you know what i mean you've got this this is what this support is doing compare that to to either a more bare feet or a more minimalist shoe and go righto um this is when you're in a in your less supportive shoes you whatever this is this is how you, how much better you look or could be worse so then you go righto you're not ready for this because you when you're in this you, you know minimalist shoe you're functionally you look worse so that that's that's how you can know righto this is too far for you we, we need to keep you a bit more supported there's no big answer for everybody but i think you can tailor it to um how people uh respond to to different footwear and and test them functionally load them gradually so their tendons and everything adapt uh, and get stronger a lot of people have been in the in shoes that are very supportive for a long time and their feet are used to this so when you get them out into a, a less supportive shoe yeah that's a that's a fairly big change in load so you know taking it gradually is is probably the, the big uh, take-home point, I reckon. Uh, thanks a ton, David. Well, look, I know you've got to get going and you're trying to balance your clinic with your educational programs that you run and your podcasts. You do a great job. Um, you're a terrific advocate for the profession, David. You really are, and it's um, it's a pleasure talking to you. Thanks, Karen. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure to come on the podcast, Richard. Thanks for having me. No worries. So you're listening to David Pope and you'll find his podcast with leading physios at the site called Physio Edge. Thanks for joining this BJSM podcast and obviously follow us on Twitter at BJSM underscore BMJ and do feel free to send uh, questions and guest ideas both to BJSM and to David Pope via Physio Edge and uh, we'll keep pushing to promote physio knowledge and improve the health of people all around the world as they try to play sport and be physically active. Thanks for listening. For more information about this program and other BMJ Group podcasts, please visit bmj.com.